Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll hear often from me, I'll say something like, hey, I'm going to be really vulnerable here because I probably don't share a point of view with anyone in this room, but I'm going to say it. That's Reddit COO Jen Wong sharing one of her superpowers that helped her thrive in the business world. From the future of content to the future of the internet, that story right now. I'm Steve Parker Jr. This is Parker on Tap. Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Let's jump in and talk about Reddit quickly. Um, Self-described as the front page of the internet, a leading source of user-generated content, and the company's made headlines or, or broken stories on every conceivable topic from politics to public companies, sports, even to my 10-year-old son's favorite, the funniest daily memes, which he, he loves by the day and, by the way, and, and constantly shows them to me. Um, but what's your take on the power of community for being the driving force behind all of this shared content? Yeah, I think, um, I think Reddit embodies um, what's best about humans. And we always say that community and belong, I mean, community and belonging is our mission to bring that to the world. But we often say that Reddit is like the most human place on the internet. And, you know, Reddit's comprised of over 100,000 subreddits, and those are communities, and they cover every topic imaginable. And every single thing on Reddit is made by people. It is uh, written by people. It is, you know, art created by people. It is moderated by people. Um, and it just reflects like all the interests and passions of all of humanity from pets to finance to your son's interest in memes. And, you know, those communities have a trust and authenticity to them that I don't think exists in other places in the internet. Um, and it's because they're moderated, because they have rules, because they have mores and ways of doing things, because there's like a a fabric to it. And because Reddit's designed as a product in a way to reinforce that, right? We have upvotes and downvotes to say what's good, what's not. Um, we have a karma system, which is about your reputation. We have these other things that bring to life, you know, these ineffable textural things like authenticity and trust, which are the cornerstones of community. Well, and I, and I think a key word I took away from that, I was just taking some notes as you talked, is that there's a fabric to it. There's something that binds everyone together and we could call it connectivity. We can talk, call it community. We can call it trust, but it is really that, that fabric that people are able to hold on to and, and create value in, you know, with, with all the subreddits and, and all the, you know, the community of, of all these, you know, like literally hundreds of millions of people that, that comment on Reddit on a, on a regular basis. How do you manage to operationalize the management of the site, all its user-generated content? I know you have moderators, but you also probably have to, you know, keep tabs or police things to some extent in certain places. You know, it has to be a tremendous undertaking. How do you even begin to, to manage it? Yeah. I mean, you know, now we're, we're over 50, you know, 52 million people a day come to Reddit globally and, you know, that, and then they produce a ton of content and we have, we have this 
phrase, we say the only thing that scales with users is users. And that's really about how we scale what we do, right? As I mentioned before, users, first of all, they build everything. They build the content, they build the rules, and they actually help us enforce the rules. They Each community has its own set of rules that sit on top of our policies, and they help us enforce them to make sure that the conversation stays on topic and is high quality. So all the creativity of our users, as well as their work, is what helps Reddit, you know, operate and scale, right? So how do we find good content? Upvotes and downvotes. How do we keep communities productive and safe? Community moderators who make rules and who use tools to make sure the community is, is safe. And, you know, so we have, so, and then on top of that, we obviously have brands who are important stakeholder in, uh, in Reddit. And we do have another layer of work that we do for them, uh, which is a set of tools and choices that they can make about how to run their advertising. And so basically all of that, all of those things that we do are in service of maintaining a really important base layer of quality that people expect when they come to Reddit, which are our content standards. And um, we believe that that's a really unique approach to scaling. So instead of having a manual of 40,000 pages and rules to apply, we have policies, we apply them, they're a short list, they're, real, they're against the, the things that nobody wants. And then there, we allow nuance and rule application by moderators in each of the communities. And that scales. Well, you know, back in 2000, 2001, I worked for iVillage. And you might recall that. That's back yeah. in the day. It is, yeah, it's a while back. And, <laughs> you know, at the time, it was the, you know, it was the largest site on the internet for women's content. And, and we were publicly traded at the time. Um, and, you know, and, and we used to say it was a dirty little secret, but it's not, it wasn't dirty. It was just... The, the vast majority of our traffic were in our message boards and forums where, you know, in this case, women wanted to talk and they wanted to share and discuss thoughts and ideas and solutions on, on every conceivable topic. And we did have moderators and we had rules and some basis much more in, yeah. in, a, in a naive format than, than Reddit has today, obviously. But, but importantly that you talk about this fabric, those women, they wanted to talk with one another. They didn't want another journalist or a brand telling them, what they had to know. They wanted to get it from one another. And that, you know, that power of community was so exceptionally strong then. It still is today. And we see that with Reddit, that, it, that it's alive and well, you know, and it gives people the opportunity to have influence over their lives to, or, the, or potentially the lives of others and, and the decisions of others. And in some cases, create rule of fundamental change. I mean, you talked a little bit about the purpose of Reddit. Is, is that ultimately what the purpose of Reddit is? Yeah, I mean, our mission, as I mentioned, is bring community and belonging to the world. And we know that passionate communities drive action and change thinking, you know, in really profound ways. And I think a lot, I, I couldn't agree more with what you observed and saw, you know, in the communities on iVillage. I mean, if you think about the last 12 months, what people have needed is community more than ever in this pandemic. You know, to, to go into a situation where you have a novel virus, you then have to go into quarantine, you're stuck at home, you know, all of a sudden you're dealing with like real issues that only other real people can help you with, right? And everything from, hey, I'm home and I'm kind of some mental health issues between, you know, just being home. I have to deal with homeschooling. I don't understand how I'm going to get 21 meals on the table for my family. I've never had to do this. Oh, I need a haircut. Oh, my wedding's canceled. Okay, now I'm trying to date again. How is this going to work during pandemic? Like, 
those are things that other real people have. Those are real problems and real questions. And only community can respond so quickly to those emerging needs at that speed with helpful information. Well, and, and, and I think know, that's and, what and, we saw. Right. And allow and allow you to know you're not the only one that's dealing right. with it. Right. Because, you know, we talked about this as a, as a team in, in my company at Level Wing about just the thing that we all missed was togetherness, you know, just being together. And it was simple things like you mentioned, it's like, how do we get a haircut? But it was just walking yeah. hand in hand with someone or going to a concert with 20,000 sweaty other people, you yeah. know, like screaming yeah. at the top of your lungs. You miss these simple things that at the time were fun, but you didn't think about how important they were to your life. And, yeah. and even if it was just a concert, maybe you were with one person, but, but you were really there with a community of all these thousands of people that enjoyed the same thing. Right. And that's, and that's been really missing. And I think people are craving, you know, more of that. And I think um, we saw that behavior on Reddit emerge you know, we have a live video platform and we saw this new behavior of people going into uh, a stream, watching a musician or an artist play and be a part of that experience with 30, 40, sometimes a thousand other people engage with them and then leave. And it was just the feeling of being a part of something at the same time with other people, this time in video digital format. That's a behavior that didn't exist before, but that kind of like casual comfort. And I think that wall has come down during, uh, during the uh, pandemic. A hundred percent. I think it fast forwarded us many years in, in how we all engage. Well, so we, so we jumped in the fire there right out of the rip with Reddit. Um, but if it's okay, I want to take a step back and talk a little bit about you, your thoughts, if, if that's okay. Sure. Um, you know, you were, you were raised by immigrant parents. Um, you also have outstanding degrees from from places like Yale and applied mathematics, Stanford, you have a master's in engineering, economic systems and operations research, and a Harvard Business School degree, you know, as the as the daughter of immigrants, and then combined with your education, you know, whether this is an early in your in your life, or even in your in your years of being in, in at university, was there something in the way you were raised? Or was there an event that happened in any of those periods of time? Is there just that moment that sparked this drive in you to say, I want to go do all these things, which you're still very young in your career, but you've accomplished a tremendous amount. Was there a spark or some moment of something that happened that made you feel that way? Well, I mean, it's hard to pinpoint just one because I think, you know, well, we all have, we all have numerous. Of yeah. Course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. I mean, my, look, my parents are either I'm child of immigrant parents and it was drilled into me that education is the key to unlock all the things that you want to do because it creates this foundation that shows that you are able to accomplish things. And from that base, you can go do anything you want career wise, et cetera. And I really followed that. Like I took that to heart. That was like a very strong value in my family. And I believe in it. I think that has, that has truly panned out for me. There, there was a couple moments like, you know, I think when I was younger, um, I, I was never a, um, like, I never knew I wanted to do business. I didn't care to make money. This was, this, you know, my parents always wanted me to, to be able to support myself. I'm an only child. It was very important to them that I was not, I was independent and not reliant on other people. And they raised me to be that way, but I was never, um, career focused. I never necessarily had the idea of leadership in my mind. And, um, I had the, I had the first change in my mind. Um, when I was in high school and I had the opportunity, it's like funny to like lead my debate team. And that was weird. It was like, whoa, people like look to me. Um, well, I like that. Am I in the spotlight? How do I feel about that? 
And I really enjoyed it. I, I, I got the sense of like, wow, I can really be helpful to people. Wow. I kind of liked um, being able to set like rules and culture, et cetera. And I never done anything like that before. I never viewed myself that way. And I would, I would just say that was like a moment I had where I was like, okay, this is something that feels really interesting to me. Um, you know, and I, I think that sort of stuck with me and I get, I, I love leadership. I love the idea of building and leading companies and setting values and helping people understand what the goals are. And then they watching them just grow and become something that, you know, they couldn't imagine maybe three years ago, the same with companies. Like I no, it's, like it. it's a great feeling to, to create things like that. And it's, it's hard, right? It's a, it's a big task to figure out how to make all those parts come together so people can have that environment and, and be able to have the output of what that environment would provide to them. Yeah. You know, you, you've had, um, by any measure, this wildly successful career, you know, prior to Reddit, you spent time at AOL. Um, as I understand it, notably you were, you were leading the, the acquisition of Huffington Post and TechCrunch. Um, and then you were at Pop Sugar as well. And, and, and which is now part of group nine, you know, where you're on the board of directors um, and then you were also the president of Time Digital. In those roles, you had the opportunity to work with some really unique personalities, you know, Bob Sugar um, and then Tim Armstrong, for example, um, who, who I worked for for a number of years. So I know Tim very well. Are there things in those roles or from those people specifically that helped you grow into the Gen Wong today and that helps you in your role at Reddit, which seemingly from the outside, from my field of vision, is, is tremendously more complex than you know, time or, uh, pop sugar or AOL. Yeah. I learned a lot. I've learned a lot from everyone I've worked with. Um, I always like to take, you know, take, take, take the best of what you see and bring with me. And I've, I've been fortunate to work with some amazing people. Um, Tim's incredible. He's a very inspiring person. He's extremely creative. He works so hard. And he's very visionary about, about, I think, consumer behavior and trends, and he's a bold thinker. And I think he, you know, what I learned was to, 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 to be comfortable thinking that boldly and, and increased my risk profile personally, um, just working with him. You know, when you work with somebody like Brian Sugar, who, you know, is one of the co-founders of Pop Sugar, um, Brian has been an entrepreneur his whole life. I mean, he dropped out of college. Um, so his risk profile is even higher, much higher than mine, obviously, it's like the opposite <laughs> of my, my resume. Um, but what I learned from Brian, so one, I learned again, to expand my risk profile and understand that from Brian, but also um, like how to build an amazing company culture. I mean, Pop Sugar, you know, you learn in these growth companies that the culture is like wrapped around sometimes the idiosyncrasies of founders and they're very vibrant because of it. And I think Brian was an incredible, he's an incredible, inspiring, friendly, like everyone loves Brian leader. He also just loves consumer products and he like gets in there and tests everything new. And, you know, I think that was something I learned too, was just like get in there, try it, you know, and feel it, you know, out. And, um, you know, for every place I've been, I've, I've, I've learned something new. And I think, you know, I've taken from, from those two experiences. Time Inc. is, you know, was another turnaround public company. I mean, the skills that you learn in that situation are unbelievable because you're balancing so many things. I definitely, uh, you know, I take that experience of scaling 
with me and also the 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 experience of managing a decline while growing to fill the hole at the same time all doing that in a public setting that is um a very unique challenging and growth experience yeah and i, and I think in early on you know in order to get to that point you know with those experiences you know you, know, you mentioned you know the risk profile I think we all, at some point, if you're going to find any success, you have to find the areas where you're willing to have that risk. And, you know, with Tim, I mean, he, you know, he tried to convince me to move to New York for probably the better part of a year, year and a half. And then finally I made that move and it was one of the best decisions of my life. And it felt risky, even though it wasn't that big of a risk at the time, but you know, I was, I don't know, 22, I didn't know the difference, 23 or something. Um, so, and, and so in 2010, you made a career move, right? You went from from consulting from McKinsey, so you know mm-hmm. the consulting firm, to the global head of operations at AOL, um, and that seems like a significant career move from the outside. Now, obviously, I don't know what the inside aspects of that were. Maybe we'll get into that. But yeah. was there a moment when you're at McKinsey that it struck you and defined you were going to make this move? I mean, these are things that we all have, right? These seminal moments, and, and you mentioned earlier, there's lots of them, obviously, for different things throughout our life, but where everything just clicked and you know, I mean, look, those could be wonderful decisions. They could be hard lessons, but it, it all comes together in your mind. And it's really unforgettable when you make that decision. What was it for you? And, and like, where were you when that struck you? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. It, it was a very important decision. You know, I went to McKinsey after business school because I didn't know anything about general management and business. And I got my real MBA there, I'll be totally honest. <laughs> yeah. And I stayed there longer than I, than I thought, you know, about five years instead of you know, maybe three. And, um, but during my time there, I you know, think I realized a couple of things and I, and I love my time there. Um, one, I am terrible at PowerPoint uh, and it is not for me. <laughs> I'll get and, in line right behind you. <laughs> <laughs> and two, I am, I'm, I'm just a doer. Like I, I want to get in there. I want to be the one who makes the decisions and I want to see change, you know, fast. And you just don't get to do that when you're a consultant. Um, you have this realization that you advise people, but ultimately they can choose to take your advice and do something or not do something. You don't actually have that control. But they get to and have so, the fun of going and creating it. Yeah. So I, so I, exactly. So you, but you get to think, you get the privilege of looking at the whole landscape and thinking about all the players as chess pieces and see these big macro trends and changes and get the privilege of peeking under the hood of all these companies and cultures and connecting the dots and learning that. And, you know, that's like, it's like working for 10 companies in three years. Well, most people to work at 10 companies, that's a whole lifetime, right? If you work in general management. So, you know, pluses and minuses, but I think what I realized is I probably should be an operator. I'm probably better on the quote outside of the firm. And Actually, a partner at the firm had met Tim and, you know, Tim was joining AOL to do the turnaround and said, look, I, I think you should meet Jen. I think you would get along. And it was a pivotal moment to meet him. I mean, you only leave, I always tell people this, you only leave consulting and professional services once. And, you know, these professional service careers, they're, they're high accelerants, right? I mean, you can be like 22 out of college and you're consulting to a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. It's insane what happens. Um, so you take that velocity and you hope that you keep going and it's important that you land correctly. And I remember having that conversation with Tim that that was important to me where I wanted to go, that eventually I wanted to be in general management, even though I was in an operations role. And, um, and that happened. That was my transition point 
to, to leap off from advising to doing. And that is pivotal because, you know, you hear these stories of people who make that jump and they're like, yeah, it didn't work so well. Turned out they were really a thinker, not a doer. They were wrong about themselves. Um, for me, it turned out I was right about myself. Like it boosted my confidence. I was like, yes, I made the right decision. Well, you want to talk a little bit about, you know, maybe some of the deeper operations of, of your thoughts there of, of the things that you do. But, you know, I, I'm personally a big believer in have a keen focus on consumers and their experiences. I think the lack thereof erodes brands when they're not focused in that way. You know, the mm-hmm. roles that you've had the last 10 plus years, you've had responsibility for these, let's call them content engines, where the consumer truly and actually consumes. What is mm-hmm. that? What does your field of vision tell you about the future of consumers, content, and commerce, where these things meet, meet one another? Yeah. Um, look, content is always king. I, I truly believe that. I mean, we act that like for Reddit, I think content is king. I think people come because the content is so real. It's so good. And you can't get it elsewhere. And we don't, we don't generate the content, but we create the environment to make sure that people feel comfortable sharing amazing content and that the best gets to the top. Um, that will always be true. I do think content is evolving, right? We went through, you know, for a long time, media was controlled. Honestly, a lot of it was controlled by family businesses. Um, editors curated what you, you know, basically edited what you saw with blogs that democratized in like, you know, the internet. And I think, you know, and Reddit was born, I think, as part of that. You then had UGC and individual part empowerment and basically democratization of content creation. And I think now what the next arc is going to be is it'll continue to be democratized, but there's this class of creators, this like middle class of creators. And I, when I say creators, I mean everybody from somebody who is just like, you know, a band to a singer, to an artist, to almost a prosumer expert in baking and sourdough or how to use your camera. I think there's going to be a rise of this sort of more middle class of creators who are going to be able to earn some money because they are so good at what they do and whose content are, is going to be consumed. And so the, in other words, an increasing share of the content pie and viewing is going to go to this kind of middle class of creators. Um, I think that arc is you, you starting to see it on some of the peer platforms um, and you see people tipping and wanting to support um, these artists. We see it on our live network, RPAN, all the time. People want to tip them and, you know, want them to want them to feel the rewards of their creative, uh, sort of creative contribution. So I think that's a big change coming on the content side. On the commerce side, I think what's happened during COVID is there's been a extreme acceleration in terms of adoption of e-commerce. And I don't think that goes backward. I think that only goes forward. And the concept of democratization and con- content, I think the democratization of commerce has happened, right? I mean, now with platforms like Shopify, like an individual can go and become and e- go into the business of e-commerce. And conversely, an individual can find that business and have access. They don't have to go to a store. They don't have to live in an area next to a store that has, you know, this good. They can access it. And um, I think that has changed the landscape. And as a result, um, people want to use digital tools 
to help with discovery and help with path to purchase, right? So if you are like, I'm really interested in this product, but I have never, uh, I don't know anybody else who's bought this product because I happen to be into fire pits, but my neighbor and all my friends aren't. How do I get experience? Well, I want to go to real people who have real experience with that product. And that's what we see on Reddit. Like communities have become much more important in this phase of consideration because what happens is people come and they're like, okay, I'm at the point where I need to look at real brands. I need to know what people really think about this product. What was their experience? They do their research. And what we've seen in our research is that people um, who do research in communities on Reddit, they end up buying faster, spending more, becoming more loyal, having a higher net promoter score because they have so much conviction and trust in the research that they've done. That is a really, you know, sort of, that is a new behavior that is in, that is growing even more with this sort of democratization of direct well, to consumer it's, commerce. It's fantastic because you can you can find those nuanced topics. You know, like if it's fire pits, I just bought one the other day myself. So like, but where you can go and really go deep in a topic, a subject matter, find really good commerce solutions that may not be, you know, the Lowe's or Home Depots of the world that you would typically maybe have to go shop at for those things. And I, and actually, even throughout COVID this last year. You know, my kids, you know, they're always curious about what I do for a living being, you know, running an ad agency and, and, and being around all these brands and these cool products and different things that we're working on. And over the summer, they came to me and said, we want to start a business. I said, okay, what do you want to start? And they wrote it all out on cardboard and they wanted to start a company called Amazook because they learned about Jeff Bezos and that he was like at the time the richest person on the planet and it fascinated them. They said, we want to start a company called Amazook, giving away these or selling <laughs> these, um, these little happiness boxes, they called them. And it was just had little trinkets and like things you could, you know, play with as a kid. And they, you know, they made, so we helped them get it created and taught them about, all right, we're putting this much money in, we get this much money back as parents and you have to sell them, you get the profit. They went door to door, but they also, my, my daughter, particularly who's 12 said, I want you to set me up a Shopify account to sell these. But of course she made us send out links in our Facebook accounts to our family and friends and whatnot, but they sold over a hundred of them at $10 a piece. Like they, they created this little <laughs> business and it was a great learning experience. And obviously I think there's, you know, with more scale, there's, there's, there's businesses that have done this in a lot of different categories and it's amazing yeah. what happened this last year. Um, Jen, if you take a term, you know, um, if you take a term like data driven, what does that mean to you as an operator? I mean, is it, is it just, is it just the data? Is it, is it verifying the data? Is it in the story it tells? Where's the value? Because over the last number of years, I've had lots of these conversations and, and there's people that sit in lots of different places on this topic. Yeah. You know, it'll be interesting. This might defy what I look like on paper. So, um, you know, I, I like the facts. Um, like I just view data as what are the facts? Um, it's never perfect. Right. Especially when you're working at a growth company, like the facts, are, there's often a paucity of facts, like you don't have exactly what you want. You don't have as much as you want. And so there's always like fuzziness. And so in the end, I think you make you make decisions that are a combination of the facts and your the culmination of your experience, which is your intuition. And um, and I don't ignore my intuition on that. I think it's really valuable, especially when you're in a growth environment where there tends to be lack of, you know, historical data, or you're treading in an area that just doesn't have a lot of facts. Um, so it's a combination of both. So I, I think there's been a, a little bit of a cult of data, um, you know, data drives everything, et cetera. And it, it's important, don't get me wrong, um, but it's not everything. It's not everything. And I, I would say, do not be uh, entirely 100% bold into it. 
So Jen, you know, what you were just talking about with, with data-driven, it, it makes sense. Cause you said, if you look at your you know, resume, maybe you would think a little bit different based on, you know, your say academic career, if you will. Um, but the person who told me that you're a data-driven operator, but with an appreciation for nuance, that makes a lot of sense now that you know, you'll look at it. You don't think it's perfect. You're going to verify it. You want the facts, but it's, it's in what story does it tell and what's it telling you and how are you going to react to it? Um, Let's, let's pivot real quick and talk about diversity and inclusion for just a moment. In, in June of, of 2014, our agency, Level Wing, and a few others uh, formed a collective called Titanium Worldwide, which is a diverse set of marketing, media, and communications companies or agencies that, with minority and diverse ownership that were committed to this. And this is 2014, well before the current call to action, which is critical that this is happening. Um, but you as an individual are central to that discussion in a lot of ways. Um, and, and I would even say like a breaker of, of many barriers, not just one. I mean, you're, you're a female business executive, which in and of itself is enough of a challenge. Um, you're an Asian business executive. My co-founder Level Wing is also Asian American. And he and I were recently discussing an article that was in Harvard Business Review that stated Asian Americans are the least likely group to be promoted into management, which so essentially this forgotten minority in the conversation. Um, you're a mother, and that comes with a tremendous responsibility. And even at times guilt for many working mothers, unfortunately. Um, and you're also part of the LGBTQ community. I mean, there's so many hurdles there in our society that still need to be overcome. And, and it's hard enough to overcome one, much less many. I'm not, by no means suggesting that you've arrived or those still aren't a challenge on a daily basis for you. But how, how do you, what, like, what, what do you offer from your perspective and experiences you could share with others that may be facing these challenges and could be really meaningful to them in so many ways? Sure. I mean, it's interesting. I'm all at once conscious and not conscious of these attributes of myself. And I think that's almost an asset, the not conscious part of it, because um, I have never put limits on myself, though I'm sure they exist. Um, and so that's just like my, men and I think I was raised to be like that when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, I try a lot to share what I learn with um, all different groups to just show, just share my thought process and my experience, which often is what I find like women or, you know, um, you know, sometimes, you know, Asian ICs like don't have access to it's like that experience of, you know, the progression. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of it. Um, and I sort of found my way, but I find that that is sometimes the most helpful thing that people share or what I realized that my peers had um, along, the, along their careers that I didn't have. Um, you know, one of the things that I try to do is show the value of these perspectives or my life experience, right? My life experience is as you described. And I, I try to use that perspective almost to my advantage, right? Like I, you'll hear often from me, I'll say something like, hey, I'm going to be really vulnerable here because I probably don't share a point of view with anyone in this room, but I'm going to say it. And, um, and I think, you know, and hopefully that's just an example to other people to, you know, I'm signaling, but I'm, I'm hopefully the courage to share that perspective, which is one of the most valuable things that diverse people bring to the table, but is often not brought to the table for all sorts of reasons, right? It is like a loss for everybody when that happens. Um, and I, I think that um, if you can get yourself to a place of comfort with that and realize that it's part of your superpower, um, that's, a, that's, that's a really big 
um, advantage for you. Yeah, I think I think it's great to to position it as a superpower, right? And and something that you can use to your advantage and to help others at the same time and speak up. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, you know, anyone that's found any level of success obviously has things that guide them. Do you have like a core principle or a mantra, any sort of theme that you think about daily that just guides you? Yeah, um, I am. I I tell people this is this is a common one, but I I I say follow your gut and the path of least resistance. I, the reason why I say that is because I think what I've observed is that sometimes. I've observed some people in my life who do not have um, confidence in their gut. And I, and I've observed this in just life experience. And that is one of the scariest things probably I've ever seen because like my gut, my intuition, which is the culmination of my life experience that guides me is really important. Right? So you want trust and, uh, and, uh, and to know that your gut is a positive guide and developing that is really, really important. And I believe, I've truly believed that you can intentionally do that. I'll tell you as a parent, it's one of the top things that I think about and I talk about all the time. How do we get my son to understand his intuition, to trust it and know that it takes him to positive places so that throughout his life, he doesn't shut the door on it when there are other things that will take into consideration, but that it'll be a really positive part of his decision process. It's something that I think has really worked for me. It's something I continue, I have consciousness about and I find is really valuable for me. And I often say to people like, find it, be intentional about it and follow it. Well, it, it's so important. I love that one because it, it, you know, there are times you're going to question it, but at some point you have to trust yourself. And if you don't, I mean, who the hell should trust you? Right. I mean, you, you have to learn that somewhere along the path. Um, Jen, just a couple of quick questions um, before we end here. If I were explaining Reddit to my in-laws, how would I explain it? Meanwhile, by the way, my, my father-in-law's never used a computer. So how do I explain Reddit to him? <laughs> uh, I would say it's a place where you can go to dive into any topic that you care about. And I would ask him to name one and then you can go find the subreddit. And the reason why is because it's a place where millions of people go to help each other out. Uh, and that's, that's you know, great. Nice from and each easy. Other. Perfect. Yeah. What's the, what's the deepest Reddit rabbit hole that you've ever been down? Oh, so many these days it's been in the cooking one. I mean, just so deep on like <laughs> how to make sourdough. It's just yeah. such a failure for me. Um, I've gone really deep. Yeah. Pizza crust. I've gone really deep there. Um, I've also gone really deep in terms of um, uh, like slow cooker. I mean, just a lot of the food ones, just having to cook 21 meals a week. Like, you just get, you just get lost in it. Oh, um, I mean, just like, what's the back, you know, what's the right sourdough? What's the right bacteria? Is the right water? Are there chemicals in it? Do I, I mean, it's so deep. <laughs> and then, and, and then what's the most heartwarming thing that you've ever seen occur on Reddit? So many, so many things. I mean, I have seen, you know, there's a subreddit called made me smile and um, you, you can read it just like, it'll make your day. But I saw this, you know, this one, where somebody said, hey, you know, my dad sleeps on the floor because he has a bad back, um, can't afford a medical bed, just want to understand what I can do to make him more comfortable. In the comments, somebody says, hey, I have a medical bed, DM me, you can have it. And then wow. somebody else goes in and says, I own a shipping company, I'm going to ship that bed to you, DM me. That's and amazing. it's unbelievable. Things like that happen all the time on Reddit. Um, where something translates into real life and people share and help each other. 
And um, that is really what most of Reddit is about, despite all the news and our history, et cetera. That is why people keep coming back because of that humanity and that empathy. That's great. And then, so Jen, where's Reddit and the, just, I mean, I know it's a big question, but the internet as a whole in five years from now. Yeah. Well, Reddit, I think will be uh, global in multiple languages. Believe it or not, we are not today, which is shocking. I think Reddit will be as, as much enjoyed watched as it is read because video is really growing. Um, and I think Reddit will be even more fun with some of the gaming features that we're adding, you know, with virtual currency. So I think those things will be really fun. The internet, I think, um, I think technology and the internet will continue to dem democratize so many things. We already talked about content. We talked about commerce. I think financial access and information is probably coming next. Um, so, and I, I continue to be excited about that, you know, empowering more people to participate in these large systems, I think is really good for the world. Yeah, it's very exciting. Well, Jen, thank you for your time. I mean, th this was such a thoughtful, enlightening, and I would say balanced conversation. Thank you for having me. All right, absolutely. Have a great day. I'm Steve Parker Jr. I wanna thank you for listening to Parker on Tap. That was my conversation with the COO of Reddit, Jen Wong. I really enjoyed that conversation. Most important takeaway from that conversation for me personally was the part of the discussion about the power of community and how that can embody what is best about humans. I also loved her take on being vulnerable. Thank you so much for listening and I would appreciate if you could share this podcast to your social network, LinkedIn, Insta, create a subreddit if you like. Also, don't forget to rate the podcast on your favorite listening platform and visit us at parkerontap.com. Hey, how'd it do, y'all? I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and Western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.